Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? It's uh, post Halloween, so we're we. Do you have any uh, candy sugar buzzes that's going on in your in your house, or are you? I don't think you have anybody in the house anymore that's got candy stuff, right? No, Saturday night was just uh, Saturday night. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's kind ours, of was, ours was going to be just a Saturday night. We, we did a bunch of, we were doing a bunch of yard work on Saturday, not a thrilling conversation piece here, but, um, Sydney mm-hmm. and I were out doing, uh, just some stuff. Uh, Shelly and Lola had gone up to Chicago to area to visit family and do some trick or treating up there. So it was just Sid and I, and Sid's 14. So she was kind of old, but she's also very much in that age of like, she still kind of wants to, right. Mm. to do stuff but she's too old she that whole thing right uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so she was uh doing stuff and i and i realized hey she's been working really hard I, we should do something like i should do something so i had her go ahead and dress up she her our halloween thing is that she's picks a she's picked a type of thing like she loves steampunk if you know that 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 style steampunk yep, yep. yeah so she bought she buys she bought like the main outfit and it's halloween costumes are expensive all the little things that you add to them are expensive uh so mm-hmm. every year she buy well, will buy like more things like 40 dollars worth of parts and bits and pieces and to, to to add to that kind of thing so anyway so i had her go in there and get her steampunk stuff on and i went and i've done the same because that's we've gone whatever the same thing together um so I put on my my dad's steampunk stuff. Right, yeah. I think I've seen some or all of this set from a couple of years ago. Yeah, right, right. Same kind of thing. Yeah. So but I had her put it put it on I put it on we and I put it on. And we went and I, we went outside in the evening. Uh here in, in our area they had called off uh Halloween, sadly trick or treating. Oh, you didn't get to create a kind of catapult or some other kind of contraption. I mean we some, we, some, we did have kids did a, come around, but but not to the extent someone on Reddit to. did a tube of like uh like a dryer vent tube coming from a second story window down into a pumpkin and then out of like the mouth so they drop candy down it would just shoot out of the mouth. Yeah, yeah. Shall shall I say that there was a couple of those in, in her area when they went trick or treating there that they had several people with tubes that, that would take nice. them and put them out windows. Um the so we we did have some but so i got i got her and we got in our outfits and then we went and i started a fire in the fire pit in the back and we mm-hmm. we cooked s'mores and uh brats and set around the fire in our costumes so and when it got dark so that was nice it, so it wasn't a, nice. it wasn't your typical halloween but it was nice and then and then we did go the next day and uh i let her buy like two or three bags of candy on, at walmart for half price nice so it was nice. it was good we did not do any special sort of Halloween stuff. Although my brother Andrew did um, do a sort of cowboy costume. Um, we have a couple of reproduction Civil War pistols, mm-hmm. uh, along with the rest of our gear from when my family used to do Civil War reenacting. Yeah, and he he made some real leather holsters for them and went up to a party in Kalamazoo. You know, small group of friends kind of thing. But um, what I did Saturday was make something that I've never made before uh, in the kitchen, and that was French onion soup. Oh, I love French onion soup. Yummy. Was it's it delicious? Not a, it was. It's it's not a thing that I have a lot. Sure. Um, you know, if I'm out at a restaurant or whatever, but I read about it in this cookbook that um, our buddy Pete, who's a, a big sort of culinary guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
he recommended this book to me. It's, it's called Rollman's 20. It's 20 essential ingredients or, or concepts yeah. for cooking. Yeah. Um, one of the chapters is on onions. And in that chapter, um, he describes this soup and how you, it's just a pot full of onions and you just slowly caramelize them down and then, you know, add water to it and then, you know, put it bread and the cheese and broil it and this whole kind of thing. And it's been in the back of my mind to try ever since I read that. And I read it like, like, you know, five, six years ago. Mm -hmm. And our buddy Aaron was making French onion soup, except vegan, which I guess is <laughs> the same, except with vegan bread and vegan cheese. Like everything else is, you know, normal, just onions and water yeah. um, and wine. But I was like, why did you do that? You know what? I'm, I'm just going to do it. I'm going to go to the store and buy a bunch of onions and cooking sherry and uh <laughs> and it and it and it worked pretty well i think if i do it again i'll probably take another layer of the outside onion off it was just a little chewy and tough in the i mean other people were fine sarah my sister whoever um else tried it like i know some people make it with um beef broth which is not you know the traditional way so mm -hmm. people on the internet get real uh weird about that kind of that kind of stuff but um yeah in general it was it was sort of an all day not all day starting at like three in the afternoon um it's the kind of thing where they cook slowly enough that you just have to check on them every 30 minutes to an hour or something as they slowly cook down man that sounds good i mean i, I really do like a, a good french onion soup and it's just it's so tasty they're just it's a one of those unique mm -hmm. soups i i actually it's funny i was uh on a soup kick, I made chili. Like that was my thing last weekend. This, this last weekend I made chili and I, I love chili and my chili recipe is getting better and better. I'm ready to actually like, you know, <laughs> unveil it. And like, it was chili cookout things. Cause it's so, I really love it that much. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, uh, so I've, I've made it again and I was really happy about that. But when I, when I went to go get all the ingredients and, and do it at the, like the clicklet Kroger clicklist type thing, that's a grocery store here in the U S. Um, yep. I, Went to, uh, I was like, you know what else I want to do? I'm going to try to make butternut squash soup like that. I, I really mm -hmm. adore butternut squash soup this time of year. And I used it's to always, time of year for that. Yeah. Oh man. And I used to always go get it at a local, um, soup place here in town called darn good soup. And right. they have since closed the pandemic, unfortunately caused them to close. And, yeah. um, so I, I know nowhere where I can get like butternut squash soup. So I was kind of sad. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to make some of this stuff. And then I went and looked up the recipe and it was kind of pretty involved. And, mm -hmm. and, and then there's like, you have to put in a blender which, or food processor. So I don't have a food processor. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I, I got, I got even more sad. It was like Charlie Brown, sad walking into the living room. I'm like, oh, I'm not going to butternut squash. Uh, so I went and picked up the groceries and we ran by, uh, Sam's club. Uh, to pick up some extra big food and lo and behold, they had big buckets of butternut squash <laughs> sure, stuff. Sure. And I was like, Oh my God. So I actually have four buckets, like not buckets, but they're like tub <laughs> things. And I've frozen two of them and like, this is so good. Nice. I've, I've been eating on that, but I would, I would put that right next aside, uh, right beside French onion soup for this time. It's so delicious. I'm, I'm a big mm -hmm. soup guy. I didn't realize I was such a good soup guy, but you know, tasty soup is delicious. Maybe yeah, not just chicken. I, 
I go back and forth. I often think of soup as relegated to like, if I ever go to a Panera Bread, sure. I almost always will get soup and sandwich yeah, yeah. and solid alongside of it. Just because I think growing up, it's the food I associated with being sick, right? Uh-huh. You have chicken yeah, soup yeah. when you're when you're not feeling well. Like would often do grilled cheese with tomato soup, which I didn't like as a kid. For one, in that context, the soup is is more like a sauce. Like you're yeah, just dipping. No, yeah, totally. That is my experience of soup right there in childhood: is soup and cheese, grilled cheese. It's not its own. Like, what am I going to do? Just have a bowl of, of tomato soup? soup? Is, is that a meal? <laughs> like, it's just tomato sauce like right that's that's weird right but now now that we're adults and we have adult palates we can get like real soup that's not campbell's in a can right 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 yeah uh and and you know what i I have to say that 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 is that's something that's changed late in my life my adoration for soup speak for what you just kind of said my understanding of it wasn't as broad as it had been and thankfully some of the local places having a soup shop was something that really opened my eyes up to so many different kinds of soups and mm. how they can be like a, a meal in themselves. And you're like taking a bite of a good soup is so satisfying, you know, if it's as part of a meal or not as part of a meal, but like as the meal, as um, the, yeah, as the star. Yeah. Now, the, man, now you got me hungry right. for some French onion soup. I, and I don't know where I can get <laughs> that from except Panera bread. But yeah, you said, you know, you said it was pretty easy. Maybe I can try my hand at it. Yeah, it's it's not it's not really hard. You just need a big um some kind of big pot. Do it in a normal pot. I used a cast iron pot. People use enameled cast iron, which has a a different texture on the inside because it's enameled. Um we don't have one of those, so I just used a normal uh, you know, straight bare cast iron um a big Dutch oven. Would you would you Again, cook some? Would you be able to cook stuff? something like that in a like a slow cooker after you've caramelized the onions and stuff? I don't know. I don't know how the how the caramelizing would work in in a slow cooker. Huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, maybe, maybe I'll look into that. That's a, that's a good thing. I, I like you know experiencing myself now that we have uh, Michael and Dennis speaks cooking uh, mm-hmm. our our new podcast that we're, that we're pitching this week, but. <laughs> All right, uh, so yeah, yeah. bringing on topic of our of our actual uh, show here this week, everybody, uh, what what did, what did you do that's been fun that that we that we typically like? Uh, let's see, games, um, video game, pop culture, good stuff. Yeah, movies. I'm still. Um, I did finish my latest single player factorial game, which is nothing new <laughs> yeah, or interesting yeah. worth talking yeah. about. It's my go to like that's time killer. Yeah, that's your game because it's so like. Uh, Zen. But, in, in that vein, um, I, I did the same thing with Overwatch. I, I played the holiday Overwatch stuff and, mm-hmm. and did that. Um, I in the last day or two, I up I patched, updated Heirs of the Storm again, which I had not played for quite some time. You know, it's nice to have those um, kind of games so that, that you can go back to and just be like, pick them up and enjoy them still, right? It was, you know, I was, I was in the mood where I'm like, okay, I don't want, I'm not feeling the pull to Factorio anymore because I launched the rocket and I want to do something for like 20 minutes Mm -hmm. before I do whatever. I think I was about to start our, our movie. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to update and play. They announced the, the date for um, Shadowlands, the World Warcraft expansion. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because it's late November. And... That wait, wait, this November? 
Yes. Holy! Oh, that's way sooner than I thought it was going to be. Okay. Yeah, that's that's why people are talking about it in in Discord. What the heck? My, are they like? Are they like? S- wow, that is like a super fast turnaround. Didn't they just like last spring or something? They announced it. They announced it or last fall. They announced it at at uh, BlizzCon, which was November, which was a year ago. That still feels like a super fast time for Blizzard. It is. It is kind of. I mean, I know in their schedule of when um, Battle for Azeroth came out, like I think they're on their normal. It's like between two and three years. Um, well, good, good on schedule. Blizzard. Good on Blizzard. Yeah, I haven't my my subscription isn't active, so I have to decide. Anyway, that got me in the the Battle.net launcher or the Blizzard launcher they call it now, and I was like, you know what, I'm going to fire up. Here's the storm. Try some bot games. They have um, uh, what they call aram it's a term from league of legends but um in i don't know this is a whole detailed thing but it's another game mode instead of picking your hero at the beginning or doing a draft um you queue in and everybody has a choice between three heroes um and you pick one of those three and then you play in a game that's just one lane Oh, okay. Sure. Five versus five, fighting in the middle with random, like all the all the normal matchmaking restrictions are off. You can have two of the same hero on your team or whatever. It's a thing that they used to do. Um, this is a thing that I think they've tried in almost all of their multiplayer games. Um, something that they call what's the word I'm looking for? Brawl. Okay. Uh, they do it in Hearthstone, or at least they did a couple of years ago. Um, they did it in Heroes of the Storm for a while. Um, I think they they even do it in, in World of Warcraft PvP. I never do any of that. But anyway, what it is is some random gimmicky thing. Um, okay. One of them, is, and at first, at first it was always something new. And then eventually they started to rotate... Um, some of the other ones back around like they do one where everybody is tracer five versus five tracer yeah um and that is kind of funny because everybody's just dashing around doing all tracer stuff um they do by the way overwatch has that built into their main game stuff yeah that's you're talking about that's that's what i figured so in these other games that i've seen hearthstone here's the storm wow it's just a it's a thing for the week and maybe not even the whole week. It's like Wednesday to Sunday or yeah. something. Yeah. And you get in, play one or two games and you get a box or whatever. The rewards yeah. are probably different. That's, that's how Overwatch in, does it. Yeah. In Hearthstone, it was a pack. Like if you play it once, you get a pack and you could play it again, but it's some gimmicky thing. They'll do something weird with the yeah. rules or with the match. Number, and that's then exactly. Overwatch they, does that. Exactly. They got to a point when... After they canceled all the official Heroes uh, esports events, they slowed down development and release cadence. Yeah. They called it. That's the the word they used. Um, And that's a whole different conversation. But the Brawl schedule, like, it was just a different flavor of ARAM every week. Because that was a thing people said from early on. And I think the, the event or the game mode in League of Legends has a similar sort of something people did in custom games maybe try it as like a holiday or something. And and then the players were like, can we just have this as a game mode? Because there are times when this is 
all I, all I want to do is just queue in, get somebody random, like goof around for half an hour, you know, be done. Anyway, that's a mode in the game now. I played it a couple times. It's it's what it is. I, I always have, so when I play my, my Overwatch like that, you, you get, and I don't want to get into details, but you get the, the worst part of Overwatch, mm-hmm. I think, is loot boxes. Same thing with Hearthstone, I'm sure. Um, it, it, is that, not Hearthstone, uh, Hots. Uh, but heroes. Yeah. Is that, um, you know, get in and get my wins per week, whatever. And you get loot boxes for those. Uh, but they, they often have, like you're mentioning these, they have random modes and they also will give you, you win in one, you get a, a loot box. Um, I am never good enough to, to win those. Like I, that's the, how you get, there's so many loot boxes. Mm. You can get like four a week or something, or actually like every day there's three different ones. You can almost always win, but I can never win them. I, I even tried last weekend. I played a game. I was like, I'll play it overwatch. I'll try this thing. And it's like, every time you get a kill, it's like a death match mode where you just kill each other. Everybody kills each other. Right. And yep. when it's, you get a kill, it automatically like changes your character to a random character. And like, I, I am, there's like 30 Overwatch characters. I do, Mm -hmm, I do not mm -hmm. know how to play all of them. And then I get one like, okay, I I got, I got this person. I I know this person. Then I, I get a kill. Boom. And it puts me on somebody. I have no idea. Now I'm stuck with them for like a quarter of the match, just fumbling with trying to figure out how Genji even works. Right. While I'm getting slaughtered by people who just know all of them. Um, so that was not fun was my, my experience. And a lot of times that's, that's the way it is that people, you know, these weird game modes are for people who are playing all the time. Who play it all the time. I, I was pretty excited that last week I, Sydney and I were playing and I got level 100 in Overwatch. And what yeah. happens is something that I didn't realize is that it flips you. So it, you become level one again and you get a, a kind of a star underneath your portrait that says that you've the, kind uh, of flipped uh, the game. Uh, and all a of a sudden Paragon level. Yeah, that's right. And all of a sudden I realized that the people I'm playing have like six stars underneath their name. I'm like, mm. oh, geez, Louise, <laughs> I am, I'm just not yeah. there. I enjoy the game, but uh, on that same line of, of thinking, and I won't say this too, too much, but I played, um, I had rediscovered, you were talking about rediscovering hot heroes of the storm, um, for a bite size thing. I had forgotten that I stopped last time I stopped playing overwatch. It's because I discovered, uh, a game by high res studios called paladins. Um, and they make mm. a lot of things like paladin strike for mobile. They make, um, is that a MOBA? I feel like I've played. I that. think paladin strike is a MOBA. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and, and high res studio is a pretty big studio and they, they are really big in esports, right? And, and a lot of, all of their games are like big, heavy esports. Um, and this, this game is no exception to that. It, the, the funny thing about this studio is, they're very good. Like they're very high quality and their games. Every one of them that I played are really rock solid, good games. Right. But they're almost based off other games and, and mm. and Paladins is 100% based off of overwatch. Like there's okay. character, all of the characters moves are the same moves that are in overwatch. They like, they have a ninja guy. They have a ice person. They have a, you know, just like these copies of other stuff, but they, they mix it up. Like the, instead of the ice person having an ice wall, the earth person has a wall that looks exactly the same, but it's of earth. Right. Which is like, okay, you're straight up copying. That's kind of cheap, but then that's kind of like their base game. 
And then they start like they start from there and then they improve everything. So it's kind of what Blizzard does, but more blatant. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, like straight up blatant, right? Like, oh, I'm I'm playing Genji here, but it's not Genji. And it's got, and they have their own style aesthetic. And again, it's top quality. It's not like they're skimping at all. Their code is fantastic. They're, they're, um, programming their match their their boards are all unique and different and interesting uh so okay that being said that sets up what paladins is right um usually yeah, something yeah. like that i would just be like roll my eyes and go back to the original like the hardcore actual one right um but right paladins and high-res studios is is just like the blizzard stuff they take this stuff and then they make it and every bit better and that's hard to say when you're talking about a studio like blizzard who does a game um, I'll, I'll use one example in that, um, I play overwatch and it's just a, a, a single player. I sit down and I play it. I'm playing online with people. It's straightforward, but with paladins, I can play, um, with you because you're a PC. They just have baked in cross platform, right? It's cross platform. And my account can work on PC on switch on PlayStation and on Xbox. It's the same account and you can have friends lists that crosses all those. You can party against all with all those right. people. And it's something that Overwatch has a great party system and it all works, but they just don't have that extra, right? That that above and beyond. And every every single thing in this Paladins game with the characters and the gameplay is just like everything great that Blizzard does and then one step extra. Hmm. And you're like, oh, that that's and it makes me really never want to play Overwatch every time I play it because I just like, oh, <laughs> Overwatch is kind of like the base. But if you really want to play this and then have a character that's does this plus that, oh, I want that, right? Yeah, I can imagine. I was never huge into Overwatch, but I can imagine with the development of Overwatch Two, they've probably slowed down some of that iteration with uh, you know, the original game. Yeah, I, I, it's funny. I go back to Overwatch, though, and they still have new characters. But it, it has the Blizzard problem that, uh, as it stands now, Pal- when I loaded Palos back up, they have easily double, if not three times the roster that they used to have, where Blizzard has only added, like, two new characters. So Blizzard takes forever, whereas Paladin sure. has, Hi-Rez has put out a bunch of new characters, and they're all solid, all awesome, amazing characters. So they... It's it's kind of like they started their team as copycats, like blatant copycats, but they're a high quality mm-hmm. team, and they wanted to get a solid game that they already knew. I don't know, maybe they're from Blizzard or something. Um, but um, yeah, I don't. It's, it's weird. It's some, weird. Yeah, I recognize the name, but I I don't really. Yeah, know. when you if you like look at look up High Res Studios online, you actually look at their stuff. And you're like, oh, this is like high quality presentation. Not just their games, but like their website, their esports. They've got huge videos and like a, it looks like espn presentations and stuff it's pretty big um th- they have another game called uh realm royale and it is again fortnite with a fantasy skin i did play that one i mean i played like two or three matches a year ago or something yeah yeah and, and that's kind of what they do it's it's so funny that they can get away with sydney even asked like does blizzard not sue them I'm like i don't know how this works but um you know, they, they had these copy type things. Anyway, that's it's, a long way to say it's that. Not it, like, it's really cool. Yeah, it's not like it. the Chinese companies that, you know, just rip stuff off and they can't do anything about it because it's China. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and, I don't know. And, and and then they don't do anything more. It's like it's one thing when you make Street Fighter and you make an exact carbon copy of Ken, but if you made a car- carbon copy of Ken and then gave him some also better moves, you know, and then made him be able to combo like Mortal Kombat, and you're like, this is the game I always wanted, right? But for whatever reason, uh, Capcom is Capcom, and they will never make Street Fighter anything different than Street Fighter. This is the same thing. Mm-hmm. Says we'll make Street Fighter and we'll change it, right? Sure. So that that's kind of it, what feels like this. Uh, anyway, I, I played that this weekend, and that was uh, it's been a lot of fun. And I, the most in, the coolest thing that really stirred me up the most about it is that I can actually play with my Xbox friends, which I I have people who are Xbox friends, mm. believe it or not, and they and PC. And now we can get on and play a game together really easy. And that yeah, was Yeah, I mean, that's fun. what we we talked about in the early months of the lockdown with um, Dauntless. Dauntless, which is, yeah. Which had the advantage of being PvE, you know, so you don't have to deal with, like, you know, I, I was always on the fence of whether in my peak of playing Heroes of the Storm, I almost always played by myself. Yeah, yeah. My, you know, brothers and sister would play sometimes. We would just play against bots and have a good time. And I don't want to take you guys into PvP when you haven't played it in six months. And we're going to get matched up with some somewhat competent players, at least at my level. You know, I was never any good at it. But, um, like, I at least know all of the characters and have a good sense of their kit like i couldn't play all of them but could play against most of them and i'm like this is just a different like you've got to account for skill you know levels and all the stuff and like when you're doing pve there's still a little bit of that like you don't want to be carrying people in a team of four yeah but it's closer to like dungeons and raids in an mmo and the uh the cross platform was a big thing I, you know i think we probably talked about it on the show when i played it, it, it. it really is and, and you on see things PC, like Dauntless. i was like oh there's a dude on a switch and there's a guy on a playstation and an xbox i'm on a pc we've got covered all four um platforms well you know you, you see things like that like dauntless and now and i see it the things that high Rise studio do, do it and it's seamless and when you go to their pages and their and listen to their forums or whatever and their developers talk, it's very much like, of course, yes, it's it's cross-platform. No, they have facts like, can I party with my friend from here? How do I party? And like, dude, you just go there. It's super simple. We want to make it where you just hit join, party. There's their username. It doesn't matter. Completely seamless. It's they've like, It just feels like a no-brainer to do stuff like this. It makes you look at other companies and say, there's got to be something more to this of why you're not doing it right why everyone's not doing it yeah the stuff we were talking about off the air like sometimes it's a tech problem now if a game like what did we play it was a unity game right unity is a a programming platform that is part of its identity is that it's cross-platform what did we play something it was a unity game and uh unity is a um programming platform that a part of its whole deal is that it's cross-platform you make a game in unity and then with little to no additional work you can compile it for whatever um whatever platform you want and so you're like okay well the only reason there's no mac client for this game is that these guys didn't want to because it's you know an indie game i don't even remember what game it was but sometimes if that's not the case if it's something you know that the studio you know, the engineers, the devs built up from without one of those frameworks, then it's a question of like, you know, 
how much development resources is it going to take versus how many customers or potential customers are on that platform and decide whether, you know, it's worth that investment, right? That sometimes it's that. Sometimes it's uh a business thing, right? Like yeah. Sony Sony will only let it go on PlayStation if you sign a, you know, an exclusivity deal and not let it go on Xbox. Right. And yeah, and so some it, it seems it's, it's like awful, kind of right? thing. It's an awful it's an awful thing that that it puts a block to well, I think it's kind of like one of those, you know, government red tape type things. It's like the world can be so much sure. better if people would just get along. Right? <laughs> I mean, I, I know businesses and I understand all, all of those things. It, it's what it's, yeah, it's an understandable it's thing, but, but you, it, it's one of those when things that that's where it ends up with, with people saying it's complicated when actually, when you see other game companies do it and you're like, no, it really isn't. It is because you're making it complicated. Not It's you, a kind of thing you. that it sort of, and I, you brought this a little political, so I'm going to keep it a little bit political, but, but. <laughs> reason why monopolies are bad because when there's just somebody at the top they get complacent right they don't have to work for it they're um naughty dog like people are going to buy their stuff regardless of what it is in fact they're going to buy playstations just so they can play their games like they don't have to yes you know blizzard activision is kind of the same way like all right they have their core their the gigantic swath you know chunk of their of their demographic is pc gamers like they don't yeah. need to spend a lot of resources getting their stuff on xbox or playstation or they can sign an exclusivity deal with sony and it's fine so you get these smaller studios uh or whatever and they just have uh different priorities like they're not they're not at a place at the top like they're you know maybe copying some of the archetypes and whatever from overwatch and trying to compete and so they're going to do whatever they can do they're highly motivated because they're the underdogs yeah and you know you know that, least, that's you said that Russian, really I don't know any of the details of this no you uh, said you said that really well i think i think that's a really good way to say of things like why i guess things like paladins and uh realm royale makes me very excited playing those it's it is because i can just it's almost palpable how much i can feel like the developers and this game are actually really good developers and they feel hungry like for me as a player to 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 give me things that i enjoy whereas i'm I'm not saying that blizzard doesn't but you you look at something like and i don't want to feel like i'm bashing blizzard love them so much now i feel apologetic um, is that, uh, uh, you know, you're right. As you said, these things, World of Warcraft is a great game, but has it truly innovated since World of Warcraft? Yes, it has changed. Yes, it has improved. Yes, it's got it's got things and it's got 60 expansions and they've modified things and put new dungeon stuff in. And there's a, but is it is it really like innovative? Is it t- totally new and changes the genre? Not really, because they don't they have to do new things. But they don't have to, like, break the mold. They they don't have to. And, I mean, again, as all, this, all the things you said, I mean, just I have not been following the whole story. There are new features and they're doing a dungeon kind of th- whatever. Like, I don't want to get into the weeds. Right. Like I said, they, they, they change. Like, they, change they do things, iterate but they're not and change. Like, you know. It's both, like, 
a, a measure of complacency at the top, but also at, at a risk. The bigger you are, the riskier it is for you to make a change. Yes, exactly. Right. right. Um, sure. It's why it's part of why so many superstar musicians could never get a second hit. Right. Of course, that whole thing is complicated, but like you get to a certain size and, and they just the the crowd only wants to hear those hits like they don't care about your new stuff. Oh, it's like and, it's like the, you know, the Garth Brooks going from country to pop or the Taylor pop, Swift's and be yeah. cared. Right? right. Like um, or I don't know. I mean, people probably cared, but nobody wanted that. They're like, just play just play standing outside the fire again yeah like we don't we don't care about this new stuff right but, and in, but a, don't, in a video game that... context it's even more of a risk right like they don't have that need because they have success and i mean the things they do are different they will um iterate and improve but not in the same way that a new starting like hungry company can they, right. they want to grow but they also need to maintain if they take those risks and do big sweeping changes, they're going to piss off their the existing customers they have. Right. It's, you know, it's this whole, it's this whole sort of. It, it, and it's funny because that's, that's how almost all companies become what they are. Now, Blizzard might be a, a little bit different because Blizzard, I think I've always said is, is founded upon not innovating, but improving things. That's not always the case, but they've, mm. they've improved genres that were already established. Um, sure. but, uh, the, 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 a lot of times companies, most of the time companies will, will have a product. And the reason it's big is because it, they have innovated, they have tried, they've taken risks and come out and made something big and, and, and new. Um, and that, and because once they start hurt, hit a certain point of popularity, it is there to their discredit that they stop doing that. And you're right because they, they're trying to maintain and hold on to what they can. But sometimes companies, also die because of that. And and I not say they're dying, but there's a reason why internet Explorer held 90% of the population in their thralls and now are holding them to maybe 4%. Right. Yeah. And windows yeah. and the same kind of stuff, uh, not that windows is going anywhere, but you know what I mean? You, you get too big and you, you stop taking chances and then other people come in and do take those chances and take your, your thunder away. So something, bring it all back around giving things like Paladins and Hyrule Studio stuff a chance, I have really enjoyed them. It doesn't always work. A lot of times you can get clone companies that are just trying to make a profit off of somebody else's hard work. Uh, this is not one of those cases. I, I'm fully on the, the, the back of, of this, this studio to doing stuff. Just because I, I have enjoyed playing their games more than I have playing the what's considered, I guess, the leaders in the in the areas right now. So that was a, that was sure. a long time with, to say that, but enjoyed that. <laughs> uh, last thing I'm going to say, I did about in this kind of shooting genre. I finally beat borderlands three. I've been talking about for that for a couple of oh, weeks. Wow. Well, yeah. I, I, it's hard I for me almost, to beat a game these days. <laughs> I almost started. It, uh, sort <laughs> I, of thing. I think for the three weeks I've been mentioning it, you said S that like somebody, almost. yeah, somebody had, well, that's my thing. Like the PlayStation is in the TV room as we call yeah. it. And so if anybody's in there, playing it or my sisters will go in there and watch anime if somebody's using the room i'm not going to go in there and it's a different thing from playing games in my room at my desk and the whole the whole oh, yeah, thing sure. but, for, for sure. um yeah i went i went out there over there friday or 
Saturday, maybe more than once, and I couldn't find the remote for my TV. Somebody like dropped it between some cushions or something, and I couldn't get the I couldn't configure the audio without the remote, right? Because it's TV with only one button. And so I'm like, well, I can't play Borderlands without audio. Like that's not that's not a thing you do. So right, yeah, that's still. Still, pain. it's it's fun. I and, and I won't, won't review that too much. I've said it's fun before. It's it's actually very fun to finish a game. Um, sure, <laughs> the, sure. It, it has the big it has the big ending. No, no spoilers here. And it has the the kind of satisfactory ending. And it, and it has a triple A title thing that it does these days, where when you're finished, uh, you can feel still feel happy about your purchase because there's so much more still to do that you can still enjoy. Um, I have a lot of games in my library, so I don't know how much longer I'll continue to play Borderlands 3. Um, but I can tell you that I still have, even though I beat it, I still have a little itch in the back of my mind that like, oh, I want to pop that up and do some other things. Now that I've unlocked the end games mm-hmm. modes or whatever, right? Um, so that's a, it's a solid game. I, I always, I've said that before. It's a solid game. It's a solid, my review saying is that from beginning to end and then beyond end, because I know there's expansions that they tease throughout the game and stuff um is a that's a solid purchase and if you haven't bought borderlands 3 now i'm sure during black friday it'll be like 20 bucks um yeah i saw it on um saw it on indie gala or something one of those uh steam key stores that i get emails from and it was like like 25 bucks or something yeah totally totally worth your entertainment value i the the as I said before the last week or so is that the guns are what make that game. They're so incredibly interesting. I beat the game, and then afterwards there's modes which I won't go into that you play to continue the game type thing. And even let's say that the I'm up to level 500. My weapons from one to five, starting at level one, and then their weapon levels go up to I've gone up to level 500. Uh, mm-hmm. There are levels like 2,000. Through the game so just beating the game just gets you like a quarter away through the weapons oh, that yeah have. that's the um i mean we compare this game to diablo a lot that's the diablo yes, like exactly you know, if you if you're still playing the story which i don't know who's play, still players i guess but right. you get to level 70 and now you starting with your paragon levels and different armor sets and whatever to- like totally MMO. Like yeah, that, that's 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 exactly that's, what it it's is. good for the longevity of one of those. I don't. I wouldn't call Diablo a lifestyle game, but like a <laughs> just no, a long I, like yeah. like come back to it and play and you know maybe do, uh, you know take on new challenges or whatever. Hundred percent, and, and I think that this has that. You know, um, I, I feel that, and, and you know, it's it, that's. A, I'm glad again. I'm glad you you mentioned it and said it that way because it does feel like if I had bought. In this example, if I had bought Diablo and played through the campaign, it, it's a fun game that I enjoyed and had a fun. I got the story. It was good. I enjoyed all of the stuff about it. Um, and I can quit and still feel that that's good. But I know that there's a lot more to the game afterwards. That's how I feel about Borderlands 3. It's like I, I felt that I did so much and I did a lot of things. There's still a lot more I know on the table afterwards. But I'm feeling pretty satisfied with what I did. You know, and feeling that kind of sense of com- some completion, I guess I got. So good purchase. Right. It's it's worth buying for fun. And I think it took me, I'm a slow player through things. And I did have a couple hardcore night sessions, but I think it took me two, maybe three, 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 four weeks to, to play through it um, casually. Um, 
and and it's been it's been pretty fun. Now now I've got uh, borrowing our buddy Aaron's Doom, and I'm gonna, I've heard that's fantastic. Mm. So I'm gonna. Mm-hmm. He was talking the, about that for a while. Thing, another thing we played that I'm trying to have a hard time getting to is uh, Blood Bowl Two. We talked about that a little bit last week, and I had played a couple of bot games, and we had watched our buddy Pete play a bot game. Uh, we've gotten in the process of getting our league set up. All the systems in this game are are kind of weird and not not very well designed. It's a very it's a very niche. Like, I mean, go back to last week's episode if you want a description of what this game is. But for people who were playing Warhammer, a certain sized group, I yeah, mm-hmm. I want to disparage any Warhammer players out there. But people playing Warhammer who like the fantasy Warhammer, not the 40,000 sci-fi, and also want to play football and play football in that system. Play football in that system on a computer game, right? So yeah, right, right. a pretty niche audience, I imagine. Anyway, we played a game, you and I, and mm-hmm. it was, you know, we talked a little bit last. This game is very random. And yeah. As long as I can hold on to that, I think I can be okay liking it because we talked about this off the air, but um, there are some similarities for me uh, to uh, the card game uh, Keyforge that we talked about last year with its uh, procedurally generated decks. And to a certain extent, I I can appreciate being freed uh, from the homework of a game uh, in a deck builder sure. that that homework is building decks um, I've been playing yeah. a board game some others of our friends called Terra Mystica um, Terra Mystica has no dice at all right. Um, right like you know it's not chess it's more like um, Settlers of Catan where you're building stuff on the board but Settlers has dice uh, the only randomness is you don't know when players are going to play because they turn order ba- is based on when you pass. Like the first to pass will be the first to play. Now, that's the randomness is what other people will do, right? It's like in that way, it's like chess, except you're playing with as many as six players. Um, right. And in that game, like I keep playing it and every time I play it, I'm like, Oh, I think I'm doing well, but then I get to this point. So if I do this, that gives me five points. I didn't even realize that. Like they're <laughs> right. just all of these little mechanics and these and these little things that we play turn based. And I never, you know, put enough thought into each turn because I expect it to, you know, in and out in a minute or something like Carcassonne. Um. Anyway, that's its own whole thing. I I got lost in the weeds <laughs> there talking about Terra Mystica, but Blood Bowl has. And I said this last week, I think there's a sense where I can say like, well, I'm just going to try stuff. And if it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and it's, and it's just random. Now it's easy for me to say that <laughs> because I won, I won that game and with a pretty spectacular, uh, you know, bit of good luck there at the end in the last, in the last round or two, I was pretty sure at one point that I was going to lose. Yeah. I, I had, I had, a. Uh... I have that same kind of sense with some games is, you know, I, I, I feel where you can play games that are, you know, when you play somebody who's played it even a couple times more than any game that's played more than you and there's strategy to it. And then you feel like you don't want to play it because 
it's not very fun because they know more than you. And then you're if, behind if you play one more game with them, they're just going to be even one more than that. Um, yeah. So, so it's, you know, I, and then, so putting in some, like a lot of random type stuff helps with that making there's other uh, tactics that you put, um, you say like you put less strategy into a thing, you know, you, you play a game like, uh, sorry, right. Where it doesn't matter. There's no strategy type stuff. Yeah. So you go to that extreme. Um, this does lay kind of somewhere in the middle. Unfortunately, something that, that uh, I think that doesn't work as well for me is that I think it presents itself as having a lot of meta to it or strategy that you do to it. And then it's like, here's how you set things up. And there's these specialties and all this kind of things that you can do and features. And it's got all of the kind of fantasy football picking of little things. And then they're like, okay, now you go and just roll a dice and see who wins. Right. Like it feels like there's so much to it. And then when you actually play the game, it's just kind of a roll of the dice type stuff, um, which is fine uh, because it makes it encourages, like you said, it encourages you to not actually do any of that. Right. right. To, to, to not actually do the strategy, which which always makes it's a weird feeling to me because like. Are they wanting me to look at the different kinds of teams and all they put in all these abilities? And do they want me to play a strategy with the werewolf and, or play it with the, the, the dwarf to do this thing when they're like, yeah, you can do that, but it's really just going to be a random dice roll anyway. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. could win yeah. or it could not win. And from, from minute to minute, it can be, uh, so that's not bad. It's not a good or bad thing. It's just, you know, as, you, as our you buddy said Pete it's is, the mentality, is right? fond of saying it's a dumb game. Yeah. You know, the, the thing about it, too, is that they don't necessarily hide that either. Like, they're very – it's all over-the-toppy, kind of corny and comic-y, right? Yeah. And it's not it's not necessarily saying whether the game is good or bad. It's just saying that it's dumb. Yeah. Which is an yeah. interesting distinction. Yeah, it's 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 weird. So and I and I this is a game that's been around for a while and and people still do play it. There's a whole niche of it. Um Yeah. I I can say that of all the games that we play though, um I wouldn't en- I enjoy playing a random game with it because of so much that is into the game and the aesthetic and the what it does and the 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 carefreeness, but I don't know if that's it's one of those games that I want to be like, "Oh man, I want to play me some Blood Bowl." Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of like um, the best way I can describe it is that if you want a game where you can go in and say, I want to do this so I can play Overwatch and I can win a, a few matches and, and, and be good and feel this is not one of those games that's going to do that. Right. It's going to be ones where you get in and you just watch kind of what happens, do some things. And then I, I don't want to say that much because there is some strategy to it. But uh, so, yeah, anyway, Blood Bowl 2, it's it's I wonder how Blood Bowl 1 was. And you played the card game, you said, right? Once upon a time. Played a spin-off card game that I don't think hugely related. <laughs> the, the manager or something. I've heard not great things about that one. Yeah. Oh, hey. So moving off of games, we've kind of talked to games to, to death here. A um, couple things happened this week. One, we're, we'll get to our our uh, more serious thing of the week. But uh, we have some Star Trek discoveries come out, but... The big thing was uh, the other star movie franchise had Mandalorian launched this week. 
Speaking uh, of speaking of monopolies and uh, giant <laughs> exactly com- which we've been complacent about. corporations, <laughs> uh, John right. Favreau's. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna put his name on it after our whole Gene Roddenberry conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, Mandalorian uh, started yeah, yeah. season two. Um, I let's see. Um, do we want to talk spoilers? Probably. Well, we can we can do some non-spoiler stuff. I, I can say that. Um, uh, so season one was was pretty popular, I think, over across the board. Um, mm-hmm. And if anyone has watched it more than than once, besides that, you know, one time, which not not a whole lot of people will watch a series more than once. Um, you you could say that Mandalorian also had had problems throughout it. I mean, problems is probably the wrong word, but it, where, things where it didn't shine as well as people might have that feeling for it. Some of the middle episodes were just okay, you know. Yeah, while, it was. While some of the other ones were fantastic, threading the needle between episodic and serial, and that means that when you do an episodic show, like some of your episodes are going to be better than others. Yeah, like, yeah. That's just the risky. And so, you know, something I was going to ask you about too is, or just kind of get your comments on. You know, I recently had started rewatching. I mean. Rewatching is a loose turn. Having on in the background when I'm doing other work, uh, the old 1980s Transformers cartoon, right? Uh, okay. And some things like um, Thundercats or whatever. And it's um, and heck, even like um, Bleach or some of the animes and things like today. You go look at a season, and there's like, and I'm not exaggerating, 60 episodes, right? There's mm. 45 episodes or something in in a in a season. I noticed that when I was watching um, the Batman animated series. Yeah. So I started watching it and I'm like, this has got to be close to the end of the season, right? It's episode 20. And you're like, no, no, there are, you know, 43 episodes in the season. And I'm like, what? Yes. So many. And, And I didn't, I didn't really realize that kind of a thing, you know, because now a season comes out and there's eight to 10. Right? right, and that's been sharpened and narrowed down. We we had long conversations early on in this this show thing that we've talked about our 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 whole show here about how thirteen for some shows was too much, right? Like right. Jessica Jones or things. But so they Stranger Things kind of uh, was windling around there in the middle. So they they you know take it down from thirteen to ten, and then it's eight to ten. So yeah, I think they're Game, finding their Game sweet of Thrones spot. was doing was doing some of that. It just depends on what it is, right? Like uh-huh. those shows you're talking about. They're, uh, you know, like Saturday morning cartoons for kids. Of course, they wanted a new episode every week, and they could just crank them out because it was well you know, some silly well, jokes well, in a monster uh, of the week. And I do, I do agree with that. But but that is, but I guess my point there was that those shows were still they're episodic. Like I, I would watch them, and they're just like the, and a contained episode that you watch a thing and it happens, right? Yep. Um, and even heck, and even in like Star Trek, like Next Generation, there's several. Uh, many many episodes in a season right um and they're an hour long so uh at least at least 24 right i I think yeah somewhere in that range yeah so so now when you have an episodic show that's only eight episodes because that's the number that you know hollywood or netflix or whoever is green lighting these days uh everything is much more 
under a fine microscope, right? Like, oh, that that one episode can really set a tone for an entire episode because it's one eighth of the entire show. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, that's kind of. I know it's a long winded way to get there, but it, it's <laughs> as if saying that like season four of Star Trek, there were um, ten episodes in a row that were pretty not great, right? And right. when you watch 10 episodes in a row, you start to have a feeling of like, maybe this isn't the greatest show. And then you have 10 episodes that are okay. Right. So Mandalorian, I think had several of those in the middle. Um, so, wow, that was a way to get in there. Um, an episode series. Now season two has started. We only have one episode in, but there's only going to be eight. I, I assume. And it, I think it, it fell in the middle of season one, right? It felt like it was a middle episode of season one in in terms of quality story. Yeah. I wasn't sure. That's not spoiler, but that's my. Where you were going with that. So um, let me give my, my general sort of, sort of reaction. Then we can go into spoilers Um, without, uh, we do still have to talk about our movie. So we're too much time here, but um I watched this movie um, by myself Saturday night, and uh, for reasons I might get into when we talk about our movie, I'm pretty tired when I put it on. Yeah. So I was engaged for the first half, and then by the second half, I was struggling to stay awake. Uh, I mean, it just was late. I'd spend the whole day making French onion soup. We talked about that. And so, you know, you and I talked about it a little bit. We talked about, like fan service and and nostalgia and how you find that balance between putting in little references references because they're fun and doing something um like ready player one which is a um you know a whole movie version of like where's waldo like spot the reference um and then i watched it like my family and enjoyed it much more like i knew that some of the nostalgia stuff was coming and so I was able to just enjoy it more as like funny little haha things and and accept the the format. This is something my dad commented on because of course he's seen a bunch of the old uh westerns and things. He's like, I forgot how the the format of this show is. Like it's one hundred percent a western. Um and in in specific ways in this episode which um we should dive into for a short spoiler segment sure yeah let's jump in with the bell uh well i guess i don't have a lot of spoiler spoilers to talk about except for the the big thing i'll say in the middle of the show is that it's boba fett it's leading us for through season two into boba fett yeah that's a that's a thing um, IMDb spoiled for me, even though who I, did IMDb the oh. app because I was looking up um, actors and things right like I sort of recognized people. Like a good example is the female female engineer who is oh, I mean almost an order of magnitude less entertaining than Tignataro's character on Star Trek Discovery. And the, I, I love Tignataro so much that I know we're not talking Star Trek here. She but, oh is great in Discovery. She's so and, great. <laughs> um, Amy Sedaris on, on Mando is just like, I don't know if it's the writing or the delivery or what, but it's just not, 
It feels like a stand-up comedian trying to act, which is exactly yeah. what Tig is doing in Discovery, but it works. Yeah, sure. Uh, the uh, the bartender in that bar, I was like, this guy looks familiar. Um, our buddy Fox had messaged me that um, he asked me if I had seen it yet, and I said, not yet. And he said, well, John Favreau is a big Deadwood fan, and that's all I'm going to say, which is like... Uh, it's a, a little bit of a spoiler, a little bit not a spoiler. And so I'm on the lookout, you know, as we're going, as we've said, this show is very clearly a Western. But um, Mando goes to this town like it's a literal ghost town. And he's, you know, he's riding in a town slow. He doesn't, we were talking in Discord about, um, like, what are the defining characteristics of a Western? Well, there's usually one man and his gun and his horse. <laughs> And there's right? Marshall, and like, right? Yeah. Right. And you get that in, in like in, in Firefly, like the horse is their ship and this kind of thing. And he's got his ship, but the ship is not as much of a character as it is in other things. But in this, he's got, he's on a speeder bike, right? So you're like, oh, it's a speeder bike sort of thing. And he's riding into town real slow. And all the people are just sort of watching him. And he goes to this tavern. And anyway, I was on IMDb, and the guy who plays the saloon keeper, that you mm -hmm. can't really tell because he's got, you know, alien bodysuit, whatever. Yeah. It's it's the guy who plays Dan, uh, Dan oh, Darby. Oh, I love Dan. Awesome. In Deadwood. And so awesome. there's him there, and obviously Timothy Oliphant playing, a, you know, a very similar character to Seth Bullock or... Uh, Raylan Givens in in Justified, his same sort of like quick draw, lone gunman, justice obsessed kind of yeah yeah kind of. If guy. it wasn't if it wasn't clear that this is a western, this is intended to be western influence. It, it is now. I mean, if it wasn't clear in season all of season one, this mm -hmm. is as blatant as you can get, right? And and that's basically the story that we get here in this first episode. Like he goes into this town, he meets the guy, like. He wants to make a deal, but the guy needs some help. And so first they got to go deal. Now, in this case, it's a monster, which makes this a little more like a like a D&D &D adventure. But it's definitely sci-fi Western. Yeah, a sci-fi Western. So like, you know, in a true Western, it would just be, you know, hey, the, the bad Black, guys, Black Bart and his and his band of of uh, bandits is has been hassling our town folk and stealing our sheep and rustling our cattle, whatever. Like yeah, we got to right. go take care of them and there would be a big gunfight. And that's sort of what we get. Um, and yeah. And so they, you know, they go and they, it's what go, it is. Go through this fight. They do the, uh, um, the, the thing from the inside kind of, that's a, you know, there's a, there's a series of tropes. It's, it's a little more, um, it's a little more just spectacle in in the second half, which is how how are you feeling about? I mean, the, all the things you just described are totally okay in a purely episodic series, but the the critiques I've had heard from it have been it just didn't move a plot forward, or it didn't show the plot, or it didn't set us up for a thing like the season one or whatever. I mean, it's like, it's funny but as an episodic thing. That's totally how it works. It doesn't really matter, right? Like, how do you? And we had praised the show for trying to be episodic. I mean, I, mean, I've, I see both sides. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I I agree, and I've I've been saying for the last several months that I'm like, 
I just want something that I can sit and watch and not have to worry or think about like what's the trouble is like this, this story is not purely episodic, right? Like it's, it starts out from the beginning. Like if it was, if it was pure episodic, like we would just have the adventures of the Mandalorian as he like shows up in a new town is after some bounty he either takes him in or they turn out to not be bad so he helps him with a thing and then you know accidentally lets him escape and kind of you know it would just be a you know procedural uh like detective drama yeah but it's not right like we have this massive plot thread of who is the child the baby yoda and where his people and the whole, you know, are there any more of his people? Where are they? Um, there are all these big sort of questions. And so I go back and forth. Like, I don't mind at all to an extent, like just seeing the sort of adventure of the week. Um, especially if you're going to get in Timothy Oliphant and do some cool <laughs> right. sort of like real Mandalorian and fake Mandalorian, but he still can you know use the homing rocket and all that stuff. Like <laughs> right. that's that's cool fun sort of you know quote-unquote yeah. brainless entertainment and i don't mean that in a bad way it's just like it's just a fun ride as we say well there's um, there, uh, there there's a kind of a i want to say precedent i'm, I'm going to use this one precedent and it's going to be a bad one that you're going to like give me an eye roll for but uh okay. star trek enterprise had um had like, a long you road. can say what you want about the show but Getting so there's one gear. season and they had several seasons kind of like this, but one season where they had a plot arc. Like I, if I remember correctly, the Zin, you know, deep space Zindi. nine does this all the time. So where the, the, the Zindi, right. There's a Zindi weapon. And then their whole plot arc for that season is that they're doing this thing, but every episode is episodic and you don't need to watch any one. You watch the first one and you watch the last one. And then they're doing things in between to go, that goal, but it's not important. It's the same with all of the deep, every deep space nine season. Right. Yeah, there's, Deep there's, Space Nine there's is more it's almost more serial than episodic. It's not serial in the way that Battlestar Galactica is. Yeah, and you, you can sort of see exactly. um um the showrunner some of those same showrunners between those. Yeah, shows. You, you don't you don't have to watch them order. even in order, right? Like you you can watch them whatever. As long as you watch the first one of that season and then the last one of that season, then you can almost switch up any other one in order. Yes, they do things to that plot ish, but yep. it's not all for that plot. And a lot of times it's just about whatever the thing of the week of that they're going to talk about is. And then there's a few peppered things. And that's how this Mandalorian kind of felt. It's like, I think we were set up with the very basic idea that he's looking for his other culverts of Mandalorians and to take the child back to his people. That's it. That's the, that's the thing for the season. And it feels Mm -hmm. like that's as big as they want it to go. And then they want to just do episodic with that much. Yeah. And that's right. Yeah, that's fine. Like I like I said I watched it twice. Um I enjoyed it more the second time. Uh I didn't catch the big reveal the first time. Um but then I did the second time. So before we we're still in we're still in spoiler section here. As I'm watching it again, I got to a point and I was like uh, because I I watched it with all of uh, you know, both of my sisters that are here and my brother Andrew and my dad and we're like, "Oh, didn't didn't Boba, it was this thing we talked about in season one like is boba fett dead because i was pretty sure i'd seen him jetpack out of the sarlacc pit 
and no, like, no, no that was that was a time that he did he, he fell in the second time and it's just like a fan sort of mystery right like yeah, is he yeah. dead is he not dead because you know the character of boba fett had a distinct uh um character design and of course this is a franchise that had three movies and then nothing except for the holiday special people don't want to talk about um for 30 years almost yeah. 30 years yeah. i mean i guess yeah. the the later ones were in the 80s so 20 yeah. 20 ish plus years but um it went for almost a full generation with no new canonical material yeah right and so people just poured over those movies and you know watched every and they're like who is this guy he's got this cool armor and you know the whole thing and so that you know that's where this this comes from anyway his you know uh, uh timothy oliphant's character the marshal is wearing that armor and so as i'm watching it i'm like oh i guess this confirms maybe not really that he's actually dead because jawas have his armor and if you you know was a real mandalorian he wouldn't take mm. off his armor which is maybe a different thing in the history of boba fett that i just don't know um and his relationship with Django and the clones yeah I wanna, right i, I don't want to get into all those weeds but yeah um at the very end of the episode you see the actor tomorrow uh, morrison yeah 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 that and which is the big thing that's the that's the biggest one is like, that's the big reveal yeah that, that, that he comes walking away into the, the thing um yeah i taking a step back into the the episodic thing just a little bit here just because I, I wanted to say that um uh as i said earlier at the very beginning this is just one episode of an of an episodic series in, in yep. an episodic season. And I think it's even more so episodic this season, at least just with one episode, that's all we got, than it even was in the first or last episode of last season. It, it I know that watching all of the made Mandalorian stuff that you see on Disney Plus and all of the extra behind-the-scenes things that they're very open with sh sharing, uh, the showrunners, John Favreau, Dave Filoni, and all of the writers and directors that they have are hardcore on this whole, like experimental we're calling you and I are calling it episodic. They're calling it like director's camp or where there's like, mm. they have a director come in and the whole production crew comes together and it's a good fun thing for that one, you know, shoot or whatever. And then they come in and next week and they do a whole another director. It's it. That's the fun creative process for that whole team. Right. And they happen mm -hmm. to be guided by two very big star Wars fans and Disney. Um, right. with all that money. So, um, it's the result is what we are perceiving as episodic. Right. But to them, I, now that you can have that perspective, you can just look at this episode as that they had one idea with one director and the writer for this week with loose guidelines, very loose guidelines about from above. Mm -hmm. And they just did that. So it's hard to judge this series or this season or this whatever on one episode because last season it's the same way there were some that were just okay some were some were great and some were some yeah were so i i don't know if you know season two will be whatever I, I i do think that this is the same thing as it's a week to week type type thing and enjoy it now i'm a star wars fan moving off that into what you had said 
at the ladder here. Moving on, that I'm a Star Wars fan, so it has a lot more to me than what other people would. I get some of those extra references. I have the nostalgia factor. I've got those things, which, which you know, if it's a, let's just say a, there's a scale of 1 to 100 and a show is a 50, it immediately gets to be a 60 for me, right? Right. Just yeah. because it gets 10 free points. For mm-hmm. these little things, mm-hmm. and then they throw in it, sprinkling out, sprinkling a little extra little Easter egg, and it gets five more points, right? Just just out of the, the gate. Um, here, so Boba Fett was neat, you know, just because Boba Fett, like for all the reasons you said, he was a fan favorite that didn't say much, and you pouring over blah blah blah. I will give two little Easter eggs before we end this subject and move on to our movie um, that I think are fun, just kind of to know about the thing. Okay. Boba Fett was. Um, in the old extended universe before Disney bought them, there were tons and tons of books, right? Right. Where, right. where they made, they wrote books that were, that happened after return of the Jedi, lots of them officially sanctioned Lucas, George Lucas sanctioned books. Um, and a whole series of them was with Boba Fett that he survived the Sarlacc. It's very clear in Return of the Jedi that J- uh, Jabba says that you don't die when you're eaten by the Sarlacc. He slowly digests you over a thousand years, right? So it's mm-hmm. not like you die in there. And in the beginning of Boba Fett's series, he escapes out of the, scar- the Sarlacc like, because he's awesome and he claws his way out. And his armor, per- his Beskar armor protects him from the acid mm-hmm. and stuff that he, he, gets, he claws his way out. Um, so he had a whole series where he was alive and then Disney takes over and they say all those books are just legacy, right? So that a lot of times when we're seeing what Disney is, is doing in the future, a lot of people are trying to look back at the things that they loved in that 30 years that they didn't have anything but the books and see some of the highlight of those books and say like, Oh, can we have Thrawn? Can we have the good thing that happened with Boba Fett? Can we have the good thing that happened with whatever? And you know, it's just wishful thinking. So when every once in a while you get thrown a bone, like, Oh, they are going to do that. They threw the same bone in the Han Solo movie where, um, Darth Maul appears, right? right. It's the same, right. same exact thing in the extended. He was there. Same thing here with Boba Fett. I think he'll play a bigger role, of course, but um, that's what that. The, the last little th- Easter egg thing, too, was is a funny little thing. So in the eight, early 80s, they had the holiday special. Remember that? And they the had Wookiees, a... Yeah. The, yeah, with the Wookiees. And they had a special commercial type thing saying something along the lines of if you send in like Xbox tops or X per seals of purchase from toys, <laughs> uh, you can get this special... Boba Fett in you know, a toy and it showed, and it showed it and he had a launcher for his missile in the back of his thing. It was like a little thumb thing on the old toy and it shoot, yeah, shoot yeah, the yeah. missile out, and, which he never did in the, in the movies. Um, and you shoot it out. But then, uh, Kenner who ran, who owns the toy company there, mm-hmm. uh, before they actually sent those out, they said, well, wait a minute. Um, we can't do this because kids at this age will shoot the thing and they will shoot their eye out. I mean, sure. it sounds silly, but that's exactly what they said. Christmas story. Yeah. Yes. And well, hundred percent. They said we can't, unfortunately we can't do it. And so what they did is they shipped the Boba Fett figure, but the, the missile was you know, permanently glued in and they didn't have the spring mechanism in it anymore. Um, and, and it came with a letter that said, we can't do this because kids will shoot their eye out. Right. And, and we apologize, but here it is. And hopefully it'll be okay. Um, 
And they swore that none of these was ever released. But the Boba Fett figure with a rocket launcher thing is the most highly collected Star Wars toy of all time. It is the most, it is because there is, have been evidently prototypes sure. uh, gotten into the wild, but they're, they're very, very, very expensive. Um, because it shoots and might shoot dry out. So <laughs> in this thing, when he shoots off the rocket, that's a really big thing. But then the second time he shoots the rocket off, he shoots it in the Sarlacc's eye. So that was a kind of a really nice little jab and ha 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 to the, the shoot the Boba Fett's rocket into somebody's I see, eye. I see. That's good. That's, that's, that's an example of... You don't need to know any of that. It doesn't matter, make any difference. No, but no. if you have fun with it, it adds an extra little two points to the to the score of ha ha ness. That was some weeds. Yeah, yeah. So any anyway, outside of outside of spoilers here, uh, I we I think we both enjoyed it. You slightly more than I did, and that's always going to be true for Star Wars. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Like, yeah, I'm not. I'm not three ten points at least. It, like. Right? I I watch this stuff. I consider myself a casual Star Wars fan. Yeah, Let's just sure. put it that way. Right. Um, but but I think I will always have a little bit more points on this, on that scale because of absolutely yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, but but just, but it was still okay. It wasn't bad. It wasn't good. It was okay. It was not. It was not foundational to my. You know, like the the peak of my. You know, initially getting into Star Trek was in like. I was 13, 14, just like foundational years, like just a, yeah. just a core part of me that, yeah, yeah. that is just always going to have first seat there in that. Yeah. And, um, and, and this one, this is not a spoiler thing cause we're out of spoilers, but this, 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 the, some of the things that I felt that had made it not be so like stellar beyond everything was simply things like acting felt a little different off. You mentioned it with, in, with one of the actor actresses, Mm-hmm. feeling having a different like feel than you might and you just didn't feel i don't know if it was the writing or the delivery or that um some of the production values were really high and then other ones weren't so yeah th- this show had weird vibes to it i guess we'll that. see we'll see yeah. yeah and that's okay first episode all, all right. right so we'll move on from there yeah and we're we're running a little long here you know technical difficulties aside but uh let's talk about our movie Okay, so this week we are watching a newer one, 2016 or 17, 16, I believe. 2016. Right? That's is that one of the, if not the newest one on our on our list? It's, Moonlight. It's close. Yeah, it um, won award for the 2017 Best Picture Oscar. Yep. Yep. Or Academy Award. Academy Award. Um, best Picture. Uh, best Performer. Best Supporting Role for. Uh, Mahershala Ali and uh, yeah. best screenplay uh, adapted screenplay. Wow. Okay. So this is called Moonlight. Like we said, um, neither yeah. of us had watched it. Neither of us have seen this. Um, we'll just say apologies in advance. If we say anything insensitive, that's not our <laughs> intent. Um, well, it, it is t- t- that that's a preference to say that that is a movie that is centered around the journey or the life from young boy to thing of an African-American uh, gay man. Well, yes. well, well, 
has struggling with his uh, identity, sexual identity. All I mean, all aspects of his of his identity, but uh, yeah, but, all aspects. Right. Yeah. So, so there, there's some prefaces in there comes with the fact that you know we we are not of that, and this is a movie that that is meant to uh, highlight that. And, and yeah. So, so anyway, if, so if we that say, was the plot of this. If we say anything insensitive or offensive, know that that is not our intent. Just comes from um, us not truly being able to identify with uh, this character. Yeah, I, th- I think that there are some issues that that's that's something here that that was this is gonna this is here's our first insensitive remark <laughs> uh, is that yeah. is that I I feel that some of these things that he deals with in his life um, are bad things and are difficult but are also experienced in other ways as well like uh, bullies happen for a myriad of reasons sure. right and and, and there are terrible and they're unfair and this is another this was an example of an unfair terrible bullying situation. Um, from, you know, things that they can't control. The same thing is like someone gets bullied because they're in a wheelchair or they're bullied because they, you know, they look nerdy or they don't have new clothes and they get beat up and their lunch money taken or, you know, mm-hmm. and they live terrible, horrible lives and it affects them. Um, a lot of the things in his, his life he struggles with are his mother being a, a, a drug addict. Mm-hmm. I think that's, again, not spoiler, that's set up at the beginning. Um that that is something that's kind of typical that didn't feel new to me in this thing uh, right. but the, the the so the journey this movie has to be centered around i think the experience and the struggles of an african american uh, gay man throughout his life i think that's the core that this movie has to set itself apart right yeah okay so should we hop into spoilers with that sure let's do it it seems <laughs> it seems weird to even to even say spoilers um i'll be honest this this one was a struggle for me and not not in the way that a clockwork orange was a struggle in just it's like old and disturbing but you know not really disturbing anymore disturbing at the time although elements of that movie definitely were still disturbing now um or in a movie like uh city of god which i reference a lot as one of the movies on this list that's a a capital s should watch or Mm -hmm. uh boys in the hood similar thing Mm -hmm. um i was boy i can't and again this is gonna be (laughs) you're struggling this is gonna be what it is right i'm gonna i'm gonna say and you know know that you know none of this comes from a place of of hate or fear or anything, but just like when I watched city of God, when I watched boys in the hood, when I watched even to an extent, broke back mountain, I understood what those movies were trying to tell me. Yeah, sure. Like what, what sort of like lesson, right? It's a kind of, it's a weird way to say it. And it's a, it's a kind of thing that I don't, you know, I don't think too many people pursue if they're honest with themselves. Like most people do not sit down to watch a movie, to watch a piece of entertainment, to be scolded. Right. Well, to to, to put it softly, it's not to to the more self, it's moral of the story, right? Moral of the story. Sure. Sure. Like, you know, city of God, I don't, at least for me personally, there's not a moral of the story there, but there's, there's nothing in that story that I can look at as, 
my fault, right? Which is a weird, right, yeah. you know, it's a weird lens to look at it. But of course, as, uh, you know, straight middle-class white males, like we're this, all the things are made for us, right? Yeah, very privileged. From, yeah. from Back to the Future on, you know, all our entertainment yes, yes. is for 100%. Is for various age Gen Xers. Um, and so, you know, sometimes I'm looking for that. Like, is this something... Not less than, you know, I'm describing all this stuff in disparaging ways, but is there a thing where I'm like, oh, would I ever consider vacationing in Rio de Janeiro? Like, if this is the kind of thing, then like, what is it like in all of the other places that are places with very appealing climates, like yeah. weather, um, um, you know, places like Hawaii, Tijuana, um, I don't really like tropical vacations, so <laughs> sure. I don't I don't know a lot of details of all those kind of places, but I know that that's fairly common. I don't know, fairly common, but I've heard accounts of this before where there's a big touristy place. And so they've got big resorts and they've got beaches and all of the locals who don't work for the resorts or the beaches are are pushed aside, like put them behind this wall so yeah, it's pretty much like the Bahamas is like that. Such yeah, thing. like like Disneyland or Disney World. Yeah. Like once you're inside as a customer, they don't want you to see out because you're yeah. here in this little island, this tropical paradise. And it's this bizarre right. kind and, of... And you're describing like City of God message, right? The yeah. City of yeah. God message, right? Like, right. so I can look at that kind of thing and I see this is trying to show me this thing. And yeah. Brokeback Mountain, I mean, maybe there's, there are similarities between this... And broke back. I thought, I thought Bra Brokeback of... Mountain showed while we were like middling on that show. I still think it from this standpoint, it still I learned or was able to not learned. I, I saw from a perspective of something that maybe I hadn't seen from in, in another way. Meaning that you know the the odds, the things that are stacked against, and the, and the not just pressure, but the real life threatening type stuff that people. I mean, right. men had to have to yeah, go through the, with that kind of stuff. The prejudice. But, th but this, this, I, 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 I think that you're saying here, and I would agree with, is that I don't know if this did that or didn't do it as much. And and for me, I didn't get any of that because, as I said earlier on in in this segment, um, all those other things didn't seem to be uh, centered around the fact that he was an African American or a gay man. Or a gay kid, I, it like his troubles that he had. Yes, were a, a part of that, and and that's something that you know greatly affects him. It's weird. It's weird this sort of thing because like the sort of relationship between him and Juan, the uh, Mahershala Ali character, like he's this sort of drug lord. So like he's mm -hmm. contributing to the problem with his mom, but it's not necessarily his fault. It's this whole sort of complicated thing, but it's not really. Like, none of that's really analyzed. Like, you see his character for a while, and then in the second act, he's gone. Like, we've jumped forward in the story, and he's passed away now. Yeah. And then, for me, there's this whole thread throughout where all of these things work together to cause him, like, struggle and trial in his life. And throughout all of that is just his... His personality, and I don't know, I'm not familiar with the with the source material. This is an adapted screenplay, so I don't know if there's a book or something that's based off of it. It might be autobiographical, in which Maybe. case, again, I apologize if that's true. That's that's me, you know, from a place of 
a place of ignorance just watching this movie as a as a movie watcher yeah your protagonist here is a guy is a a man of few words as we say like yeah maybe he's always in his head like i have been that person in my real life like i i get stuck in my head now i'm more of the once you get me talking i'll keep going forever like, <laughs> right. you know people listening to the show will know i've been having <laughs> at least 90 minute conversations with michael once a week for the last three years um <laughs> right. anyway we we don't get we don't really get any of that in this movie there's never anybody who gets him been. there's n never anyone who gets him to open up like he meets all of these people and he has his best friend who he you know has a, a relationship with over the over the years through a couple yeah. of events and then they come together at the end. Um, but nobody ever gets him to open up. He never talks. The other characters in the movies will say he never says more than three words at a time. And yeah. it's not like, um, you know, if you read a book about a character like this from their perspective, you would probably get a lot of internal monologue and, yeah. and we don't get any of that. Like you just, see him and he makes a face and it's slow and he talks to the guy the well, people talk to him this is going to be really this is going to be really bad for comparison for Before, a, a, a nominated a or a award-winning show to a just a teen show um i read the book uh hunger games and mm -hmm. for the series and uh, I, I watched i read it before i watched the movies and almost the entire book Katniss is just internal in her head. It's all, yep. she yep. doesn't say very much. It's even said that like, she just doesn't talk a whole lot. She keeps it internal and you hear her thoughts. So I always thought that like, this is going to be a very difficult movie to make where she doesn't say a whole lot. And it's kind of key to her character. But the thing that made me love the movies actually a whole lot was because Jennifer Lawrence was able to convey feelings and emotions through looks and through motions and sure. mannerisms without saying sure. stuff. And I was, just that first movie was so impressed with being able to convey what she was thinking without saying things. Okay. So that's, I know they're, you know, it's one's an Academy award winning show. One's a teen show. But <laughs> the point there is that I feel like you did. I didn't, I just didn't get that. I didn't get, I, I know he was struggling and there was some powerful scenes in there when he was, you know, he would, he would tear up as a grown man type thing. Uh, and, and when he was, he got angry, but overall his, not talking or just staring down, looking down all the time. It, it didn't do anything for me. It did. It didn't like inspire me or, or make me feel empathy towards him or, um, and I, and I think that to me, it was just a matter of, it felt very bland. It didn't feel interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, and I just didn't feel it. I, I, I don't know what to say more than that. Beyond, beyond the, the subject matter, there wasn't anything here that, I, that made me feel, you know, I can watch a lot of shows about very challenging things that I'm unfamiliar with and can challenge my beliefs or thoughts or whatever. This doesn't, wouldn't have challenged my belief on that. But I, I think that, um, it, it had the potential to, and it, it should have, it should have challenged things or made me see things from other perspectives. And, and I know, uh, a lot about the, the difficulties of Compton and East LA, but you watch boys in the hood and all of a sudden you're, you're still left with like, Oh wow, this is something that I feel more strongly that I should know, or I don't feel enough that I should know. I should know more about this. I should be, mm -hmm. have something right. You, you right. learn or feel something with that. And I don't think that this did that to me at all. And I think his lack of talking 
was just frustrating, if anything, to me. It was everyone talking around him, and it didn't mm-hmm. let me feel like his relationship with his best friend growing up. I didn't feel that either. I didn't feel that there was anything more there. There was there was so little, and like after all of the stuff with him and his mother and and Juan, like he's a drug dealer at the end. Like the only the only part of yeah. that that makes sense to me is if the story is is biographical or autobiographical by some maybe maybe um but as for his his relationship um and his struggle with his sexual identity i you know i know how strongly whatever you know relationship you have or whether sex or gender that you have relationship as they say love is love and and that can be told and that relationship and connection should be the foundation for everything. Love is love is love. And it's a, it's that strength. This, mm-hmm. I didn't feel anything. All I got between the two actors was that there was a physical experience that he had when he was younger, that he was unsure about, but I never got that they were like in love. And that's what kept the thread, you know, going between them throughout the the whole movie. I never felt that at all. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, it was more the relationship was more clear to me in in Brokeback Mountain. Oh, for sure. Like I felt those two like that line of I you know, I can't quit you type thing. That makes mm-hmm. sense. You know, that that has a powerful resonance. I in. mean, maybe it's just, you know, I I talk a lot about visual storytelling versus just just dialogue. And there's, you know, there's certainly not an abundance of dialogue in Brokeback Mountain, but Oh, sure, hey, it remember seems when, like it when, compares to this. Compared but to remember, this. oh, yeah. Remember when Heath Ledger, um, they they come out of the mountains and they kind of say goodbye to each other and they feel like they're never going to see each other again, I think. And Heath Ledger, again, a man of very few words in that movie, comes around the corner to the side of the road and he gets upset and he's kind of like starts punching things and almost trying to cry and break down, but hide it. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that that he's he really, really cares for this person, but he just is so trapped in this thing like that was that's powerful without saying anything and doing and i felt real emotion there i just i did not get that at all in this movie um and that's it should have been right that's that's what i i I thought that this would would have given me no no and that's just with the relationship but everything else i felt i did feel connection with the mom i thought that mom storyline was the big thing i thought it was powerful when they that bully made you know uh, the, 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 his, his friend, Kevin beat him up for, for, uh, uh, being homosexual when his friend was also like hidden homosexual. It was, so, it was gratifying when he went and hit that dude with a chair. Yeah. But I they, mean, it, that, you know, they just felt like there was good. so much more that they could have said and they didn't. Or, and I don't know, I guess I, and I know I'm going to, I'm going to get back. Maybe you as well. We'll, we'll get people looking at this and say, are you kidding? This is one of the best movies. And it's a, it's a, a pillar of things. And I just don't see that. I, I can see that it, I didn't feel anything when I felt other connections and other shows, you know, on these, on these different topics. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. It, it's not a bad show. It just didn't do anything for me at all. I did get this. And I think this is very important. Okay. You said before, like that we see Goonies or we see, uh, you know, Gremlins or whatever the shows we have when we were young, we are white males and back to the future, right? We're white males and we identify with all these things and we get to see Star Wars with Luke Skywalker. And these are people that we know about, 
right? We're hundred percent. We understand them. Uh, I wonder if, you know, if, if that's because of who I am, I'm a, a cis white male mm-hmm. and I can totally get on board with anything that's been put out there in Hollywood, but I can't see of any show that's of an African-American uh, homosexual man who is, that's the story. And that's the thing that you can identify with. If I was a homosexual African-American man, maybe this movie finally is something that I can actually totally get on board with everything that's happening in a way that I get on board with back to the future, just kind of subconsciously. Yeah. I mean, that's the, that's the whole, that's the whole thing about representation. Um, I think I said this to you in our, in our messages like this, this movie made me uh, appreciate more why people were so excited and whatnot for, for black Panther. Like you're always trying to, maybe not always, but for me, I'm often trying to gauge like, is this a thing that matters and is important to the people in question? Or is it just a thing for, you know, other privileged white people to pat themselves on the back over? Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. As a, a whole kind of thing. But I'm like, I'm like, man, if I had been, I mean, you know, as you said, we're, we're, straight white men if i you know from the early movies from i guess avengers maybe or whichever uh iron man movie uh black widow shows up like i looked at the character of black widow in the mcu and i was like why is she here like they just they just need to like check off a box that they have a female character in this plot because she's useless like these other people have superpowers or suits that make them invincible. And I mean, I feel the same way about Hawkeye. So this is not a sexist thing, but um, (laughs) I'm like, Oh, they have her here just so that they can have a token, you know, a female character in their, in their, their thing. And then, you know, as time goes on, you see like the wonder woman movie and how many women watching that movie and, and, you know, young women and girls even like, to see a hero, like a real hero, that they can identify with the same way that, to a certain extent, I can identify with Steve Rogers or, um, yeah, yeah. to a lesser just, extent, uh, just you know, Tony Stark. Consciously, like, even, right? Like, you you put yourself in that, in that place and you're like, you know, you get those, you know, good feelings about it, as you would say. Um, yeah. And, and you just don't – some of that – a lot of that is just subconscious that you don't think about and, it because it's and just so, – And so, yeah, it had reality. to be – you know, I remember at, at the time people talking about Black Panther being kind of annoyed with it. I'm like, can't it just be a thing on its own? Like, do we have to bring this politics into it? But, boy, if you are, uh, you know, an African-American man or a young boy and you're watching – like, you've watched this whole franchise and the and the best you've gotten is, is Don Cheadle's roadie. Right. Like yeah, or right. or Falcon, like you've got some sidekicks and some like quippy, you know, not even supporting characters like, you know, third third tier kind of yeah, characters sure. to see this guy like he is a king of his people. Yeah. Like it's this whole and portrayed well and powerful thing and, and, good per- and yeah. per- portrayed well. And um, yeah. So anyway, I went on a no, I, there again with I, that, no but. i i get it i but but I, your idea though there is that 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 is good and empowering and, and and wonderful and and makes me as well as you 
you know, take a step back and say, oh, yeah, that's why we need to have more of these things. And this movie here, maybe that's that. Maybe that that is true. And, it, and you know, it also helped. It did help me from a, from a good kind of say positive spin just from the simple fact that I didn't understand it. It wasn't anything big for me to maybe take a step back and say, maybe that is how, you know, someone who's an African-American homosexual looks at Captain America movie, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. just, I don't understand it much. Maybe not Captain America is a good, uh, good example, but uh, another like a romantic drama drama movie, you know, like uh, if they watch the notebook, right. Maybe, maybe they just don't see why people understand this. Don't get that at all. Right. Mm -hmm. But, but I would say that, that something like the notebook has uh, true, you can feel true love between two people. And, and I watched Brokeback Mountain and I could see at least that there was true love between two people. Yeah. Um, I mean, some of this, I didn't get that either is a little more, is a little more transcendent. I don't know. Um, Yeah. So, so we were both there moving into final judgment. So I think we were both on that. On that kind of thing is that I we didn't there was I, I didn't see anything that was special about this and I, there was nothing bad or good it was just oh it was very just okay and and anything mm-hmm. uh, I wouldn't say boring but I was very frustrated at his lack of talking like I, that sounds really stupid to say but I didn't feel as empathetic to the main character as I should have felt I think I think this was written and made to be that you would be very, very empathetic towards the main character. And he was just okay. And he just didn't talk. And if I tell you what, when I meet people like that in person, they drive me nuts. All right. If you don't want to talk to me, fine. You know, I don't want to talk to you or, uh, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Just, just, you know, you know, giving you nothing. So yeah, when when you say like, Hey, you know, uh, where's your home? And they don't respond to you, you know, or are you hurt? And then they don't respond to you. It's just it's frustrating. <laughs> it's yeah, frustrating yeah. to me. Yeah. Okay. I moving mean, on. What What is our next uh, thing we've got? We're coming to the very end of our stuff. We only got like three or four left. Yeah. Our next is Amadeus. It's oh yeah, Rock Me Amadeus. Movie about Mozart uh, from yeah from the eighties. Apparently, I was. <laughs> I guess not, not that old. Yeah, it is. I kind of old. I, so I thought it was. I thought it was newer than it is. But uh, yeah, yeah. So I, as we said last week, I think we've both seen this once. Kind of. Um, I was clearly like seven years old or something like that. But <laughs> oddly, uh, so you know, I, I'll be. I have memories that this was good when I was a kid, but I don't. Obviously, it was a kid for an adult show. Yeah, and. Uh, this is another long one, two hours forty. So, be, oh be yeah, ready for I mean that. it's a historical movie. So yeah, we'll be good to, to to see this one and wrap it all up when it's time. Cool. I think we got it, man. All right. Yeah, we're. I think even we're going to end up running long here when this. Is <laughs> I think we're okay. Out. Okay. So you've been listening to the Front Porch. This is episode one hundred sixty-seven. Uh, thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. Uh, check them out. Movie reviews. Uh, all that good stuff. Uh, if you have questions, comments, feedback, ideas for what we should do after our movie poster 2020 challenge, uh, hit us up via email. That address is frontporchpod at gmail.com or go over to our website. That is frontporchpodcast.com and use contact forms there. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on Spotify, Overcast, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Night, everybody. See you next time.